Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello and welcome to first episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit. Well, what can I say? This has been an amazing journey to come to this point in my life. And I'm so excited to share everything Everything I've learned throughout my days, my age, I mean, just everything. Like right now, I'm nervous. I am. And it's okay. I know because I've been here before. I've certainly been here many times. And I'm sure you have been here too, being fearful of new things. But then we learn to navigate the road by leaning into that. And I'm just so fortunate to be here and to share a thing or two of what I have learned. And I'm really excited to show you the things that I have learned and hope that that does land and resonate for you. And here it goes. Like I said, I'm nervous. I am. And and it's interesting because you would think after being a 20-year-old veteran lawyer, I wouldn't be nervous to do this, but I am. I am. So here goes something that I've been in the works and the talks about it, and it's finally here. And I'm super excited that you're here listening to me. I mean, really, you're listening to me, not me in a courtroom arguing a case, not that lawyer who's listening to the client in an office and navigating the issue and finding a way to resolve the problem. But today and this podcast will be about you. And I am so excited to share everything that I I know that has worked for me. And I'm hoping that it will work for you as well. So let's get started. I mean, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. So like I said, I'm a veteran 20-year lawyer, and I'm filled with gratitude for the opportunity to be a lawyer and be of service to countless, if not thousands of individuals throughout this uh, trajectory of my life. 
but it didn't start very easily, let's just say. And it's certainly, I'm not going to minimize it. It was a lot of challenging times, a lot of fear to get to the point of being a lawyer. But what I'm more excited about now is the second stage in my life where I have pivoted and sharing that is what I'm going to be all about now in my life. Sharing the pivoting, what happened, why I'm here, why am I not in the courtroom anymore? I'm still a licensed attorney, but now I have the office work for me, not me work for the office. And I will share a lot more about that as uh, time goes on. But what I really wanted to start off with is how did I get to the point that I am here and hope that that resonates with you in some way, some capacity, some form. So I was born in Los Angeles, California to immigrant parents from Mexico. I was born in 1974. Yes, I'm 46 years old now. And it's not lost on me their journey to this country and how they've made a serious impact, not only in my life and the life of my siblings and of my family, but in the community at large. When I was born, I'm the firstborn, actually, I'm the firstborn of four. So it's, I'm the oldest and being the oldest has a lot of uh, challenges for any of you out there who are firstborns. You know how it goes. You're the first of everything to try everything. And of course, at that moment in time, when you're a little kid, you don't know that because you're free, free to do whatever you want to do. And, you know, back then as a child, I was principally grew up around my paternal parents at a very young age, and um, I loved and adored them. And they also came to this country, obviously. And unfortunately, due to disease, they passed away very, very young in their lives. My grandmother, Teresa, passed away when I was about 10 years old. And my grandfather passed away when I was about 14 years old. And I was given a lot of love by them. I mean, it was just so beautiful. And I knew that the moment that my grandmother passed away, that my life was going to change. But that's for another episode. But today, I'm just letting you know that my family coming to this country, they had big, lavish dreams. They were entrepreneurs in Mexico. And when they came here, they continued the entrepreneurship. They now, to this day, have built a very sizable business and where they have employed at least for at least 500 employees. And it's not lost on me that I have this tremendous blessing that uh, they've been able to navigate the roads here in America, learning English along the way. And that has left a big influence in my life. Now, me, I learned English when I started school here. Not that I was born in Mexico. I was actually born here in Long Beach, California. So I'm a true Angelina through and through. And, you know, 
I did not speak English until I got to kindergarten. That's where I learned how to speak English. And um, I had a private tutor back then, and I was the only Latina in my class. It was, I remember, it was in Found Valley. And, um, you know, the first day of class is very scary for kids, but, you know, I wasn't scared at all, even though I didn't even know how to speak English. I wasn't scared. I remember thinking all my little friends back then, some of them were crying that they did not want to go to school and they were nervous. But I remember that I wasn't nervous. I actually thought, oh, this is cool. What a change of pace. And I learned English that one year I was fluent reading and speaking and everything was fine because I was protected by my family my grandparents who were my staunch supporters and my parents, you know, back then it was just me and it was my brother who was the second born. And, you know, life was honky dory. Obviously when you're that small, life is amazing. And when things happen back then, I used to say to you, now I say they happen for you you can't explain certain events in your life back then, right? Until you become an adult and then you realize, oh, I see what happened. So at the time when I was in kindergarten, I was living in Found Valley and I was, I stayed there maybe for one or two years. And then we suddenly moved out of our place. And obviously I did not know the reasoning behind that. But we did. We moved uh, to a different location, another uh, another town here in LA, where things started changing. I was attending public school at the time, and I realized that, you know, not toot my own horn, but I felt like I was, you know, a smart kid. I did. I really felt that way, and I never really, you know beat myself down for feeling that way or when I would do something wrong, feeling that, oh, it's a mistake that I made and it's all my fault. I never felt that way back then because again, I'm still this little kid who's loved. And even though my family was working their businesses at the time and uh, they were mostly at work, I found myself creating things in my life, meaning like even when I was hanging out with the little kids in the neighborhood, I would create, invent things. I would invent that I was a teacher and I had students, so I was the teacher. (laughs) Or whenever we felt like we were going to create a movie and I was a screenwriter, so I would write these lines and we would create these uh, cute little scenarios Back then, He-Man was like the cartoon of the century. Again, this is back in the 80s, late 70s. And He-Man and She-Ra, and I remember creating these little scripts, and we would have all the kids play with that. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. And then, of course, you start growing up, and you start developing into your personality But here's the thing. I've always been a person that was not much of a follower. And I think in that time, I got 
into trouble, obviously, because I was not following the rules. And I just didn't go with the flock, if you will. I did not. That wasn't me. It was never me. And so I remember, you know, going through school, leaving public school. My parents were able to take me to this small private school here. It's an inner city school here in, a, in Los Angeles. It's called St. Gertrude. It's actually located in the city of Bell Gardens, which is a predominantly Latino community city. But again, this is back in the 80s. So I went to a Catholic school, a private Catholic school, which I loved. I enjoyed and I loved and I felt very spiritual and connected to God. To this day, I still feel very spiritual and connected to God. But one thing that I've noticed is that I was not a follower. That's for sure. I felt that I was a leader back then, which has helped me because I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> I just was. I didn't follow the norm. And let me tell you a little bit what I mean by that. Back then, at least as, um, what was I? I was 14 years old. And you're trying to decide whether you're going to have a quinceanera when you turn 15. And quinceanera, for those of you who are not Mexican or Latinos out there, a quinceanera is basically this huge party that uh, a young girl has at the age of 15, kind of like sweet 16. At the age of 15, it's kind of like a coming out from child to a senorita. And back then, all my girlfriends were having their quinceañeras and their um, damas, which were their, in the court, they're called damas and chambelanes. And damas are the girls and chambelanes are the guys. So the look of my quinceañera was not your typical quinceañera because here's the thing. Back then in the 80s, my girlfriends loved pastel colors, baby blue, mint, peach, pink. And so all of their dresses were those colors, but not me. I decided I want black and white. <laughs> and back then, it's unheard of, like truly black and white. And I mean, I was criticized like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to do that. But I did. My quinceañera had damas and chambelanes that were wearing black and white. No pink, no, no mint green, none of that. Because that's who I was. I was always a person, a kid that never went and followed the crowd. I was not that kind of a person. I always felt that I was a bit of an oddball, I suppose. Maybe, or maybe not. It's just... As I say today, I say like, nope, I was good. I was great. I'm unique. So there I am, my quinceañera, black and white, <laughs> and my cake. Oh, my God. My cake had black flowers with a little hint of peach just to appease some people. But it was interesting. But it was the best quinceañera ever. Because I also had my favorite music, which at the time was alternative music. And of course, I was mod and all I wore was black. But everybody, well, 
everyone back then disliked that I always wore black. I always felt that I wasn't part of a um, of the norm, I guess, the crew or the norm. And I think at some points in my life, I felt very lonely because I felt that, that, well, people don't understand me. Why am I being this way? Why do I act this way? So there comes a time, in, I guess, in your teenage life where you start questioning your decisions and your likes and dislikes. And, but at the same time, I always stuck to my gun and I always did what I found to be right, true. And I did not think that what I was doing was wrong. I never felt that way because obviously, you know, I rocked, what do they say? I rock to the toot of my own horn. Is that, is that the saying? I don't know. I get confused sometimes. But, you know, I really felt that I was okay. I was unique. That's it. And I built this character. In my brain, I would create stories of how I was going to be. I created my life already. I used to daydream so much. And I would think about, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a fashion designer. Oh, yes. I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. But then, of course, I also wanted to be a lawyer because that's all I knew, that my parents didn't go to school. They came to this country when my mom was 14 years old and my my father was, I think, 21. And each of them didn't even graduate. I mean, really. So, you know, my father went to second grade and my mom went to fourth grade. I mean, come on. So I didn't have the mentors. I did not have the guidance. So all I knew was what I saw on TV. I saw lawyers and I saw doctors. And I remember being so intrigued by fashion. And so I thought, oh yeah, I'll be a fashion designer. And then of course, what ended up happening was that because of my logic, the way I rationalize things, well, I was that little lawyer who convinced the fashion designer that she didn't have the chops or the talent to be a fashion designer because guess what? I did not know how to paint or sketch or draw nothing. Literally, I did not. I have no artistic ability on paper. Little did I know that you can learn that skill later on in life. But of course, I did not know that because I didn't have the mentors I didn't have that educational guidance, but I knew that in me, I knew I had certainty in my life that I could get to college. I had certainty that I could become a lawyer based on what? Nothing really, because, you know, all I knew was, you know, the TV. And so I really didn't have a mentor to teach me the ropes. So here's the thing. I decided, okay, I'm going to bust my butt and I'm going to make it happen for me. And I had the backing of my parents because they said they wanted me to go to college. They always felt that way, that that would be a privilege for them. And I'm super proud that I did. So going to college was a big step, attending USC was an amazing, amazing time in my life. I met the most 
beautiful, wonderful women and guys too, where I had an amazing time. I had an amazing time at USC. I met some amazing, beautiful souls and I have my best friends from there. And um, it's not lost on me that I've been very fortunate, but I also truly believe that we can create our own stories. We can create our own life and that we may have mentors or may not have mentors, but we can still create our own stories in our own life. So now what I'm saying to you is that even though I didn't have mentors in the law, I didn't have mentors in fashion design or in anything else back then, once I got to college, I then sought out mentors and help. And so in the end, you need your support system. So if it's the person that is in the area that you want to delve into, or just the emotional support, that is not only sufficient, but it's also something that is needed, something that you need in order to be successful in your life. Now, I realize it's not lost on me that being lonely when you're being yourself and nobody is accepting who you are or criticizing you, criticizing your every move, that caused loneliness. And, and I have felt that way. And I know that many, many people have felt that way as well. You know, I even looked up just recently a statistic showing people that are X generation individuals such as myself, according to social pro 50% feel lonely. And of the population, well, the generation X population feel lonely and, and 33% have no close friends. And I get that. And it's not lost on me that um, people feel that way. But my hope today, as I'm explaining a brief history of my life is that let's not stay there. Let's, um, lean in and see, okay, why am I alone? Is it because I'm in fear of outside what's going to happen? And believe me, I mean, I've been so fearful so many times. It's not, God, who am I kidding? You know, when you go to court, yeah, the fear can creep in. Of course, that happened a lot when I was in the beginning stages of being a lawyer. But, you know, once you're in, you're you're in. And then you start realizing that um, you're not alone. And you start realizing that, hey, I'm here for a reason. And that I do have the strength and I do have the power to move forward and be that advocate that I promised my client to be. So, you know, as I'm navigating these waters as a lawyer, early on in my career as a lawyer, I started feeling very sick. And eventually I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in the year 2004. Now I was a lawyer, full-fledged lawyer, young attorney, and that really knocked me off my feet. And since then, it's been very challenging. But yet, because I have that tenacity, that uh, feeling, that gut feeling, that everything's going to be fine. 
and I know it is fine, that I started, you know, getting back to the swing of things as a lawyer. But it was never lost on me that my wellness was connected to what I was doing. And I would get sick and then I would fight my way back up to health. And it kept happening. And I kept ignoring my symptoms. And it got to a point where it was really, really, really bad. And I realized that the connection was that the stress of the practice of law was not good on my body. And again, what am I going to do? I started feeling lonely and I started having that fear again. And so thanks to beautiful people in my life, I was able to uh, connect into this amazing, beautiful space of personal development, which is where I now live. I now relish having been exposed to this because it's so beautiful and it allowed me to really dig deep and connect in a way that I had never been connected. And, you know, I said to myself, I said, you know what? It's okay. I'm still a lawyer, but I don't need to be in the courtroom anymore. If that is what's causing me sickness, I don't need to be arguing anymore because that doesn't resonate with me anymore. That is of the past and it's okay. It's okay. I gave myself the permission that it was fine. It was fine. And so I sought out as much help as I could, all the coaches, all the trainings that I did has been such a beautiful, beautiful discovery. And now that I'm this 46 year old woman, a mom to a beautiful eight year old and a wife to a wonderful man who's been my husband now for 13 years. I mean, my life is just amazing and beautiful. And I'm like, oh my God, if everyone could just lean into that fear and just look at the opportunities out there. And if you don't have the mentors, look for them, reach out, follow that nudge. Because it was scary. Come on, 20 years of practicing law and everyone looking at me like, oh, you're going to throw it to the wayside? No, I'm not throwing it to the wayside. I'm just using my skills in a way that is going to help way more people than I have been helping. And that, I'm just so over the moon just thinking about that and And it's all because I leaned into it and I paid attention to my gut because my gut never, ever fails me, never fails me. And so I want you all to know that, that there is a way lean in, lean in and find it. And the way I go about doing it, it's just a simple process, a simple process. Every morning I wake up the first thing that comes out of my mouth is gratitude. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that I'm awake. Thank you that I can feel my legs because, ladies and gentlemen, there was a point in my life that that didn't happen. Thank you, God, for allowing me to breathe and for being alive. 
So that's the first thing that I do. And then I meditate. I do. I meditate and it has brought such calm and such joy. It allows me to bring in all the people that I've been surrounded by and feel in all the blessings and all the blessings that I'm going to project because somehow or another, someone will feel touched by whatever I'm going to say. And I'm not saying this to be this prolific individual. I'm not. I just want to help. I want to be a service. That's always been my drive. You know, having been an immigration attorney now, I've always wanted to help people. That was always, that's the reason why I went to law school. I always wanted to help people. And now I feel like, wow, I have this new way. Like, yeah, let me share this. Let me share this with people. So I meditate, but I also need to do something physical and I exercise. And one of the things that I enjoy doing is spinning. And in particular, I spin at Soul Cycle, which is a, uh, a spinning studio in um, urban locations. They're found in urban towns. And I just feel whenever I'm on that bike, even though it's a bike going nowhere, it's a bike that allows me to go everywhere in my mind, everywhere in my mind. And so I'm just super appreciative of everything. And I would love for you to continue to join me in future episodes, because I'm going to bring people here that are of like-minded people that are thought leaders, entrepreneurs, successful individuals that have amazing strategies. And I'm just so, so curious for what's to come. I feel like a baby being curious. I remember as a kid being super curious at the age of six years old, learning how to speak English, but yet I didn't care. I didn't care if people were judging me. I feel like that right now. Isn't that fucking cool? But <laughs> I don't know. I have so much that I want to say. And before I die, I want you all to know that you're special, that you're unique. Don't let anybody tell you differently. Because guess what? They're not living your life. You are. Just remember, everything starts with gratitude first. Learn to meditate. There's a bunch of ways to meditate and pray and exercise and drink lots of water, lots of water. But I just feel in my heart that I'm here. I belong here. For a while, I hadn't. Practicing law was something that was becoming very difficult, very challenging. But now I'm in a different place and I am so loving it. And I want you to love where you are. And if you're not there, join me. Listen in because you're going to learn about so many people here. So many people and learn their strategies, their tips. And so I leave you with that. And I hope that this lands on your heart and that you'll listen to us next week. Thank you so much. Till then. Adios, amiga. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.